0: Thank you for joining us for Intersections Podcast, where faith and life collide. Now here's Sean Smith with this week's message. Enjoy. So will this be our best year ever? Who knows? There are way too many factors beyond our control to be able to predict, but I do believe we can push the odds in our favor. How? Well, by making a few simple decisions. When I say simple, please understand that I'm speaking solely in terms of comprehension. By no means are the decisions that we've been talking about over the past few weeks easy to live out. Not only do they go against our natural instincts, but Satan does his very best to discourage us from doing anything more than giving an intellectual head nod towards making these types of decisions. Why? Because he knows that if we live out these decisions, we are going to have an impact for the glory of God. But not only that, we're going to enjoy a greater sense of personal well-being. So for those of you who are joining us for the very first time, you're catching us at the end of a sermon series. But let me quickly review the four decisions we've talked about so far. The first decision, and I would argue the most important, is to make the decision to trust God implicitly. The great prophet Jeremiah assures us that we are going to flourish emotionally and spiritually if we turn to God rather than self and others and allow him to be our guide and provider. The second decision is to leave the past behind. For 2021 to be one of our best best years ever, we're going to have to leave behind our past pain and shame by forgiving others and accepting that God has completely forgiven us. Forgiveness is the path forward, but even those who have made this decision often struggle to leave the past behind because our brain has been wired through repetitive thinking about past pain and shame to actually get beyond the past. And that's what makes the third decision so important. We must renew our mind. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The fourth decision that will bless your life greatly in this new year is the decision that Elisha made when Elijah invited him to succeed him in his prophetic work. We read these words in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. The decision that Elisha made that we need to make is this decision to go all in. Listen, I'm sure that Elisha's life would have been far more comfortable if he would have stuck to farming, but his decision to go all in on this call from God, it assured that he enjoyed a far more intimate relationship with God, and he had a front row seat to see God do some amazing things in and through his life, and I'm confident the same will be true for you this year if you decide to go all in whenever God places a call on your life. Now, I believe with all of my heart that we are well on our way to a fantastic 2021 if we make those four decisions. But I wanna encourage you this morning to make one final important decision, and that is the decision to live an extraordinarily generous life. You see, I absolutely believe that this year can be one of your best ever if you make the decision to give away as much as you possibly can. Now, why do I believe this? Well, here's why. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, and verse 10. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Wouldn't you love for God to bless you in everything that you do this year? Of course you would. So here's the deal. Don't be stingy. Don't be a taker. Don't be a hoarder. Make the decision that you're going to give away all that you possibly can. Give away your time. Give away your energy. Give away compliments. Give away forgiveness. Give away finances. Give, give, and give some more. Now lest you think that this promise was merely for those people living in the nation of Israel at that time uh, please listen to the words of the apostle Paul that he spoke to the Christians who are living in Corinth several centuries later he writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 remember this remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously This saying was probably a popular maxim of the day, but the apostle Paul decided to borrow this saying and share it with the Christians living in Corinth to encourage them to be financially generous because he believed that it was true, that God blesses those who bless others, that God blesses us when we bless others. And this truth that is commonly known as the law of the harvest, it applies to every area of our lives. Now, if this is true, and I believe it is, then why don't we give away more? Well, for many of us, I believe it probably comes down to this. We don't see how we can afford to give away more. And this is especially true when it comes to our finances. In his book, The God Guarantee, author Jack Alexander writes about the financial struggle that so many people in this country are experiencing right now. He shares these thoughts, the average American has not experienced an increase in his or her real income adjusted for inflation since 2000. Our retirement accounts have shriveled up, and working adults who once felt stable now take on crushing debt to cover the skyrocketing cost of education and health care. I imagine so many of us can relate to those words, right? And it's not only in our wallet where we feel the squeeze, we also feel it in our calendar. Now, COVID has slowed us down a lot this past year, but in a typical year, most of us have our schedules cram packed with kids activities and with job and home responsibilities. It feels like we don't even have five minutes to spare, to be able to share with other people. And when we do find those five minutes, so many of us are under intense pressure. We have pressure at home, we have pressure at work, we have pressure when it comes to finances, we have pressure when it comes to our time and expectations. And so we're just, we're emotionally spent. We don't feel like we have any reserve to share with anyone else. We are spread way too thin. And so what do our natural instincts tell us to do when we don't seem to have spare resources, when we don't have to have spare money or time or energy? Well, you know what our instincts tell us to do. Our instincts say you need to withhold until you have more to give. And so oftentimes it sounds like this. Hey, I know Joe is going through a really hard time right now, but I'm just so busy. I tell you what, when I get through this next work project, then I will call Joe. Then I'll invite Joe out for a cup of coffee and and try to encourage him. But right now, way too busy. Or maybe it sounds like this. As soon as I pay off all of my college student loans, then I will make the decision to give to support the work of the Lord. The instincts sound right, but they could not be more wrong. We don't wait until we have more to actually begin to give. Instead, we give so that we might receive more. Don't take it from me. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 8, and then verse 10 through 11. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You see, regardless of how little is in the bank account or how busy our schedule appears to be this month, or how emotionally tapped out we feel right now, we must not operate from a scarcity mentality. Our mentality should be one of abundance. Why? Because God is able, Paul says. Perhaps a better rendering for the word, the original language would be God is powerful. God is able, God is powerful to do what? To bless us. You see, he has all the resources available at his fingertips, and he wants to share those resources. He's willing to share those resources with us. And not only that, but no matter how much we give, we cannot outgive God. So we give, and God's going to make sure to give back to us so that we have more to give. Now, quick word of caution. Please do not view this as a personal investment strategy. In no way am I suggesting that we give so that we can get more from God so that we can live a luxurious lifestyle and feel a greater sense of security. That's not the point this morning. The point is simply this, this is a kingdom of God investment strategy. That as we as a people strive to show the love of God to other people by sharing our resources, God then in turn invests in us. But when we make the decision as his people to become tight-fisted, to hold on to what we've got, to say, I don't have time or the resources to share, well, that's when God says, maybe I can invest my resources somewhere else that would be far more profitable to my kingdom purposes. You know, one of the greatest joys in life is to be able to share with other people, to be able to give what we've been given away. I... (laughs) it is a far greater blessing than hoarding or accumulating more for ourselves. And I I realize that's hard to believe at times because if you're like me, sometimes you look around and you see people who are spending every last dime on themselves and it looks like they're enjoying the good life, the best of life, they're going on great vacations and driving nice cars and doing all these things and you think, that's what I want, that's what would make me happy. But Jesus comes along and he says, hey, let me tell you the truth. The truth is the key, the key to real life, the key to a good life, the key to eternal life is to give as much of your life away as you possibly can. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. In Acts chapter 20, Paul reminds us by quoting the words of Jesus that it is through a life of generosity that we are going to be far more blessed. He says in verse 35 of Acts 20, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So what are the blessings that are found in giving? Giving. Well, Paul is quick to assure those Christians who are living in Corinth that one of the great blessings is that God delights in those who are generous. And he's speaking specifically about financial generosity. But he says this in Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse seven, "For God loves a cheerful giver." What is it about those who give that is so pleasing to God? Well, when we give, we are never more like God than than when we actually give. He is the ultimate giver. And of course, there is no greater expression that reminds us of this than in his decision to give his one and only son, Jesus Christ. We're reminded of those well-known words in John chapter three and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Just like a father Loves to see his, child, his children follow in his footsteps. Our Heavenly Father is absolutely thrilled when we walk in his footsteps. That when we make the decision to give away whatever it is, money, time, energy, we image our Father really, really well. Not only that, but by giving, we join God in his work Every moment of every day, God is striving to show his favor to a hurting and desperate world. When we make the decision to give things away, we're not really giving our gifts away. We're simply distributing the grace that God has been so gracious to show to us. This absolutely thrills God to see us investing in his work. It's the very reason that he has placed us here. Then finally, when we give, we bring glory to God. And Paul reminds us of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 through 13. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Even those who haven't stepped foot in a church building in a long, long time, if ever, are often quick to say, praise God when they experience our generosity. And God loves to hear that. He's absolutely thrilled by that. Not because he's some egomaniac, but because he is the only one worthy of praise. Now, I was reminded of this truth just a couple of weeks ago, Uh, was serving with the care team here at Campbell, and we were handing out groceries to some of our neighbors who were coming for those supplies. And and many of those individuals, when you'd place the boxes of food in their car, that's what they would say. They would say, praise Jesus. Praise God. I have no idea of their faith background. I'm sure many are believers. Some may not be. I don't know. But what I do know is when they experienced generosity, they gave glory to God Because they recognize that those gifts truly came from him. And what a blessing that is. Is God's delight the only blessing that we receive in giving? No, by no means. There are many others, but in this particular text, Paul points out a specific one. Paul assures us that if we give, others will give to us. What will they give? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Many of those who are blessed by our generosity will in turn bless us spiritually by turning their hearts to God in prayer. Now, The more people we have praying for us, the better the odds that 2021 is going to be a great year. Why? Not simply because God hears those prayers and answers those prayers, but I believe it goes much deeper than that. I believe this, that as those individuals pray for us, they'll have a greater desire to know us and bless us. You see, that's one of the byproducts of praying for others. It creates this Natural desire for relational connection with the people that you're actually praying for. In fact, in this text, there's indication, Paul gives, that it was through this giving and praying back and forth that created a unity between Jewish and Gentile Christians. Nothing unifies a church quite like the mutual sharing of resources and praying for one another. Now, anytime we talk about giving, one of the first questions that comes to mind is this, how much am I supposed to give? I really believe that's the wrong question. I I believe that question comes from a place that views giving as a loss. But giving is not a loss, giving is the road to gain. And so I believe the better question that we should be asking is simply this, "How uh, how much do I want God to bless me this year? Now, if you don't need any more of God's blessing in your life, then you're probably good right where you are. Just keep doing what you're doing. But if you're thinking this morning, you know what, I'd like a little more of God's favor in my life, then I would encourage you to think about how to increase your generosity. Here's what I'd really like for you to do this week as a family. I'd like for you to call a family meeting. Now, if you're like me, you're just a single person, it may be a, a very small meeting, just you and the family pet, the family dog, whatever. Whatever. But I want you to gather everybody that's in your home. I want you to gather your kids. I want you to gather your spouse. If you have extended relatives living with you, get everybody around the table just for a good old-fashioned family meeting. This is the way I'd love for you to start your meeting. Just ask this question. You're going to have a little fun. You're going to ask the question, where would you like to see God show his favor on your life this year? Just take some time answering that question. Maybe you'd like to see his favor on your work, or maybe your health, or maybe you'd like to make new friends, or maybe in your finances, but just take some time exploring that, what you'd like to see God bless. But then ask this question, what can we as individuals and as a family give up so that we might be able to give more? Now think about your finances. Maybe it's uh, we give up eating out quite as often so that we can give more. Think about your time. Maybe we give up some of our TV time so that we can volunteer a little bit more. Think about your emotions. Maybe what I need to give up is social media because that gets me all stirred up and it bothers my emotions. So maybe I need to cut back on that so I can be more emotionally present for people who are truly hurting around me. Now this is where the conversation can get really sticky, a little bit difficult, because I have a tendency to see what you can give up, but I have a real hard time seeing what I might be able to give up. In fact, I don't want to give up a whole lot. So, if you bog down at this point, I want you to shift your focus and place it back on Jesus. That's what Paul does, this, does for us in this section of the letter. He reminds us of God's gift to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. How can we not be motivated to give more when we think about the life that Jesus Christ gave up for us? Now, if you and your family are able to come to a place of agreement of things that you can cut back on so that you can give up more, that's absolutely fantastic, but I've got to warn you, that's going to be put to the test several times throughout the year. And so here's my next piece of encouragement. Memorize I mean, put it in your head, put it in your heart. Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse six. "Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will reap generously." You're going to need that verse at the forefront of your mind when you're trying to decide am I going to go volunteer on Saturday morning or am I going to sit on my couch and watch another ball game or stream another Netflix series you're going to need that passage at the forefront of your mind when you're trying to decide am I going to order Grubhub tonight or am I going to set aside that money so that I might be able to sponsor a needy child memorize this passage. Do it as a family. Take some time every night around the dinner table and just repeat that verse. Maybe do it before you go to bed in the evening. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now, finally, I want to encourage you to just take some time to to list the people that will be blessed by your giving this year. Write those people down, their names down or the situation down and put it on your refrigerator or someplace else in the home that your family will see on a regular basis. So for instance, if you make the decision to volunteer your time to be involved in Friends Speak, just put down, there will be people who will come to know Jesus Christ through learning English by studying the Bible those people will be blessed. If you make the decision to volunteer to work with the Campbell Care team, then then write down our neighbors right here in this community who are hungry will have food on their table because you decided to give more of your time towards that effort. If you make the decision to increase your giving so that we might continue to do online streaming services and all the good works of the church, then maybe write this down. There are going to be people who have been stagnant in their faith in Jesus Christ through the power of his word who will be re-energized to follow Jesus faithfully this year. If you decide that you're going to invest emotionally by listening to people who are hurting, then maybe you write this down. There are going to be people who are struggling in their marriage, who open up to you, who find hope and they find a renewed sense of steadfastness to their spouse this year. If you take the time to enter into difficult relationships with people who are struggling with addiction, maybe you write down there are going to be people who experience the hope and grace of Jesus Christ because of of what you've decided to give generously this year. It is so exciting and so encouraging to think about all the people around us who will be blessed when we decide to live extraordinarily generous lives. And let me tell you what, God absolutely loves a cheerful, generous, sacrificial giver. So as we wrap this up this morning, I wanna take you back to some words of Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ in a society that is increasingly skeptical about Christianity. And I think we all recognize that Christianity, the church, it has a real image problem right now nothing proves the authenticity of our faith quite like generosity. May 2021 be a year of extraordinary giving. And if it is, I'm convinced that it will be a year of extraordinary blessing. It was a great time hanging out with you again here at Intersections Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at Spread love and kindness, family. Take care and may God bless you all greatly this week.